The following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All-Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All-Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by CDW, Miller Lite, and Hulu. Good to be with you, everybody. Jeff Joniak along my broadcast partner, Tom Thayer, from News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM, WVM, and Jim Miller, the former Bears quarterback and a member of that SiriusXM NFL radio staff. Good to have you back with us as well as you listen in tonight for the next hour. We've got a good show tonight, boys. we got Riley Ridley, the outstanding-looking rookie receiver out of Georgia, joining us at about uh, 6.08 tonight. And then at the bottom of the hour, we're going to be Joined for a good couple of segments with, uh, Tom, your teammate Jimbo Cover tonight, the outstanding left tackle for your Super Bowl champion Bears. Good show tonight. Yeah, can't wait. You know, I had a chance to catch up with, with him a little bit in this weekend. And, you know, Jimbo and I go back a long way. We were seniors in college at the same time when I was there. Notre Dame played Pitt, and Pitt was number one in the country. Notre Dame played him at Pitt, and we kind of stole one from him back then. And then we played in the Hula Bowl together out in Hawaii and had a chance to spend some time. And the day I met Jimbo and the day I watched him practice all or play throughout a senior year and practice throughout that, uh, that All-Star game, I knew that he was a day one starter, one of the, one of the best in the history of the Bears. Yeah, and you you just wonder, obviously, with the greats like, like Jimbo, and here we're celebrating the 100th anniversary of the Bears. It was great to catch up with you guys uh, a week ago. And then, hey, you know, guys like Riley Ridley, how can he make his, his impact? Sounds like he's an impressing early. And here we're on the, you know, on the heels of, of training camp, which is just around the corner. Players have five weeks. Hopefully everybody stays out of trouble and does what they're supposed to do as they get focused on the season. But, you know, there's still some outliers here. You know, we still have yet to – to really understand what's going to happen with uh, the new replay rule and, and how that's going to go down, how coaches, <laughs> it's going to affect their coaching during the game. So there's still some things to really clear up as we head into the 2019 NFL season. Jim, what are you hearing on that front? Well, it, it sounds like they're going to put it to the replay official. It sounds like the coaches do not want a part of it where you know they would have to throw a challenge flag or have a challenge flag uh, late in the game or a timeout in, in order to initiate the, the process. And that's how I thought originally – the coaches thought this process was going to go, that it was just going to be initiated by the replay official. And I think it just, if you just stick to the standard of that NFC championship game between the Saints and the Rams, where the replay official up in the booth, to me it has to be so obvious and so egregious that you're going to initiate re- the review, right? In that game between the Rams and Nickel Roby Colbin and, and the pass interference call that wasn't called, everybody in the stadium knew it was a penalty. Everybody watching at home knew it was the penalty. I even had Kyle Shanahan. He said he was down in Mexico City. And a lot of the uh, people that don't even understand the game, a lot of the Hispanics that were in the bar, they looked at Kyle Shanahan and they knew it was a penalty. And they don't even know American rules uh, of football. So I just think if you keep it within that standard, you know, I think that would be the level of where the replay official would initiate it where you're trying to right a wrong moving forward. I just hope they don't continue to overthink everything, you know, all, all this replay it's like catch, stuff. no catch. I yeah. mean, think about it. It's the most basic play in football, and we bastardized it for literally five to six years where nobody knew what the hell a catch was. So and nothing just, aggravates Tom more than a wasted time going over this stuff, right? <laughs> well, you know, it seems like every coaching staff now has so many coaches. I mean, could you really designate one experienced guy and, and put him on the staff and – 
be able to make a judgment, yes, let throw the flag or no, don't throw the flag and be made within a matter of, you know, time like, you know, similar to the time that <clears throat> baseball um, managers and stuff have their chance to use the replay or not. Yeah. Well, I hate I hate replay, so I wish it would I never I, I never wish it even showed up in the National Football League. So I, I have talked about that plenty of times. Hey, uh, shout out to Josh McCowan, fellas. Um, he was nothing but a gentleman and a leader with the Chicago Bears and has and proved to be that way over the course of his 16-year career. Announced his retirement today. He's going to become an analyst as well on ESPN uh, in their football coverage, but going to tend to his boys. You know, his, guy, his boys are high school quarterbacks now. He'll be 40 uh, around the 4th of July here, so next week, next couple weeks rather, and uh, after 10 different teams, putting it away. You know, whatever you want to say about Mark Tressman, Mark Tressman did a lot for that guy because he was on the cusp of his career ending and uh, he was already a teacher, I believe, in the comeback and not necessarily reinvent himself, but be taught a football in a kind of a different style that was able to carry through to the different systems he was able to play in towards the end of his career. Uh, I definitely think a, a class guy and just how he represented himself, how he treated his teammates, uh, I think was important and just... You know, you just you need guys like that, that that can fill all those type of roles. He could fill the role as a starter. He could fill the role as a backup. He could fill the role as a mentor. So I think what, what Tom is bringing up, I, I think if he wanted to embark on a coaching career, he could probably do pretty well. But it sounds like you're right, Jeff. He's, he's happy teaching his boys how to play the position quarterback. Yeah, and I uh, saw highlights of his uh, game as a slot receiver for Detroit against the Patriots in 2006, I believe. Looked very good catching passes and uh, great athlete, underrated athlete, that's for sure. Coming up next, a guy who's not an underrated athlete at all, Riley Ridley, outstanding rookie coming to the Bears, and he'll join the program here. This is Bears All Access brought to you by IGS Energy with Mike Chen and Adam Staszynski helping us out tonight. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Hey, welcome back to Bears All Access brought to you by IGS Energy, a proud partner of the Chicago Bears providing electricity. Natural gas and home warranty products to over 1 million customers across the country. Learn more about IGS Energy at IGS.com. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, Jim Miller. Another Bears All-Access show as we travel through the offseason now and summer vacation for everybody. And uh, it's still a great time, though, to reflect on what's transpired and also look ahead to what these teams heading into training camp here in uh, just about four weeks, four and a half weeks or so will look like and where everybody's looking at. I know NFL.com worked on the Bears today, and uh, a lot of folks have them as as one of the top playoff contenders uh, out of the NFC and just out of the NFL uh, picture, period. And as you guys break it down, what are some things that really stick out to you guys about what we've seen so far? I got a question for you, Big Jeff. You said um, now that the players are on vacation, or now that they're on vacation, you didn't say players. I think um, in the player's best interest, if they look at this next five weeks as a vacation. Right. I mean, you brought that up many, many times. I I do. And it it kind of it kind of bothers me just because um, this is when they should be working their hardest. I know there was a player in the Detroit or in the Baltimore Ravens camp who didn't go to the OTAs, didn't go to any of the conditioning uh, sessions. And then they didn't allow him to practice because he was not in shape. I think if you look at this as a vacation or time off, yeah, you got to go out there and free your mind, and you don't have to have the daily grind of sitting in meetings for three hours. 
but you got to stay into your information and you still have to stay and try to gain strength and condition your body. So I, I'm, I, I'm sorry to harp on it and sound like an old geezer, but <laughs> this is probably the time that most guys in, in the early era of football started or not didn't start, uh, continued to work out their hardest leading up to the, the beginning events of training. Well, you'll camp. be happy to know, and Jim, you'll be, Akeem Hicks, you know, I talked to him the other day before they got out of here, and I, I go, what are, you, what are you going to be working on? What are you going to do? And he goes, this is where I sharpen my tools. This is where I define my body and my my strength for the rest of the season. So, yeah, the veterans, they're going to go back to work. Hopefully the young guys do the same, Jim. Yeah, and, well, we say it every year, and I'm with Tom on this. I mean, this, this is not – training camp's not some test you can just cram for. You know, I say that every single year, and Michael Pierce is who yeah. you're thinking of, Tom. And the Steelers have done it before. Remember the big nose tackle, Casey Hampton? A couple, a couple of years he came back, he was out of shape, and Mike Tomlin said, uh-uh. You're you're on the side, big boy, because you're you're physically unable to perform, and they would let the player get himself in shape before they would even allow him to practice. Because why? He's putting other players at risk, and that's what John Harbaugh said about Michael Pierce. You come in overweight, you're out of shape, you're putting other players at risk. We we can't have that. So it's not something you can cram for. You got to stay on top of it. And I would think if, if you know if you're serious about your craft and you're serious about your love of football and you're serious about your accountability with your teammates, I, I don't think the the Bears should have any problem. And you're serious about your commitment to your coach and organization should add, add that as well because that it really is part of your responsibility. And you shouldn't need somebody there to babysit you. You're all grown men now. Take care of business and do what you got to do. You know, you know, too, Jim and Jeff, and throughout the entirety of OTAs, <clears throat> with the exception of maybe a couple days, there was no, no hot weather. This isn't something that they got kind of fed a little bit of 85-degree practices and understood the challenge to them. So if they go to Bourbon A at the end of July and all of a sudden they open up camp and it's 80s plus with full pads on, with that blue helmet, it's a completely different monster out there. And the less you are prepared, the less effective you're going to be on the field and more likely it is is going to affect the way they evaluate you and you know and so i i am a, yeah so you're not on your feet on a daily on a you know as much as you are throughout practices but you got to be conditioning and you got to be in the weight room and continue that strength goal well this is the def- definition of professionalism it also defines who really loves the game and and who is just looking at this as a way to you know just get a paycheck so you do it does sift its way through these guys that are not in that kind of condition. And they all take, you know, most teams anyway have conditioning tests to find where they're at after the five weeks. Uh, it'll be a rough training camp if, if it's not the case. Uh, awaiting Riley Ridley, the Bears rookie receiver out of Georgia, joining the program tonight. Also, at the bottom of the hour, Jim Covert, the Bears' outstanding left tackle, best offensive lineman uh, that you could possibly find. Number 13 in the Bears' 100 is put together by Dan Pompey and Don Pearson. He'll join us as well. We, you can also take your phone calls, 312-644-6767, if you got anything on your mind. Uh, in terms of how – so you never did answer the question because, you know, I, 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 I used the word vacation. <laughs> I'm sorry. And so, but, you know, where the Bears are positioned right now, how do you guys feel after everything that's happened – during this offseason now, to take a deep breath for a minute, recalibrate where are they position, in your opinions. I'll start with Tom. 
Well, you know, first of all, I can't be more impressed with the job that Ryan Pace did and the draft choices that I've seen go out there. They're going to be able to compete at a really high level, and they're going to compete for playing time instantly. This isn't a group of rookies that are going to come in here, and they're going to be waiting in the wings. Oh, I'm going to go through a rookie season and just sit in the background and kind of observe and learn. No. When you look at these guys, they're going to be expected to go out there within the first couple weeks of training camp, and they're going to get their time in the preseason games to come out here and push veterans and make this team better immediately. And, you know, just you know, for my examples, when I had a chance to come in here after the Bears got beat in the NFC Championship game, there wasn't going to be a lot of roster movement. But I think that has to motivate the guys that are going to have an opportunity to come in here and earn a position in a roster that – you know, is set for the most part, but you're still going to be able to come in here and have an opportunity to accomplish some big goals for yourself if you're diligent about the effort you're going to put in. Um, I'll categorize it in just how it reflects with the the whole division because I'm with Tom. I think the Bears should be able to hit the ground running. I think they're a much better team in a lot of areas, um, spe- you know, even deeper in terms of their roster and what the, the, they'll be able to do and present. Um, but as it reflects to, to the division, Minnesota, I think, can be a bounce-back team with, with the moves that, 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 that they did and the coaches that they acquired, Gary Kubiak, Rick Dennison, etc. Um, Detroit is, is a better team, but they've got a new offensive coordinator. How does that all mix in? Will they, they should be able to hit the ground running faster than, say, what the Bears did last year with a young quarterback where the Bears kind of turned the corner week 8 and week 9 offensively think Detroit will be able to do it, uh, but it will have to come a lot quicker than the Bears turn their second half of the season around. And I would say the same for, for Green Bay because you've got a new coach trying to lay the foundation, so to speak. Gentlemen, I don't know if you saw that article today. That's a big hiccup in terms of audibles. Here, yeah, you've got a coach. I was going to bring that up later in the program, but it's, it's worth talking about. Uh, yeah, here you've got a coach, Matt LaFleur, who believes in his system. Right, he believes that's the same system Kyle Shanahan was running down there in Houston under Gary Kubiak and and all that. They believe a, a lot of that is the system, and it's either check with me's whether hey you got play A or play B in order to what the defense presented. And Aaron Rodgers kind of wants the ability to to go off the cuff and be able to audible into anything, and that was one of the issues that Green Bay had under Mike McCarthy. So. That, I think, is an issue for, for that yeah. football team. Yeah, we'll, we'll pick that up later in the program. Uh, time enough, uh, kind enough, rather, to join the program. The fourth-round pick of the Bears, Riley Ridley, joining us on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Jeff, Tom, and Jim with you, Riley. Thanks for checking in. How you doing, my man? How are you guys? Doing okay, doing okay. Uh, in the final analysis, what what'd you yeah. take away from the off-season program as you get ready now to, to dial up, refocus, and get ready for training camp? Uh, right now, I'm just trying to focus on getting better. Uh, I know we got some big uh, conditioning days coming up, and uh, I just want to be in tip-top shape uh, just to put my best foot forward. I like to hear that, Riley. Hey, now that you had a chance to sit in on meetings and take it to the practice field, is this system? Is there any similarities to your college system, or is this completely different? Uh, what you've learned thus far in your col- in college? Well, here at the Bears, uh, it's like a West Coast type of offense, but, uh, you know, the concepts and uh, the route running and, and things like that are more similar uh, pertaining to concepts, like I said. And, uh, you know, just being just being young, a young guy, just trying to learn it all for the first time, I mean, you got to wipe your mind clean from college and, 
you know, the other things that you've learned and, you know, just focus in on what's at hand. Well, you're a different animal, Riley. Jim Miller here talking to you again, and just just because of your name and you've you know you've been associated with with pro football and even the program uh, down there as a Georgia Bulldog. I mean, you're not the typical rookie, so to speak, right. is is how I view you. And is is that a fair statement? And just how you approach everything and how you go about your workman like approach? Uh, well, I want to be the best I could be, you know, and uh, the only way I can do that is, is to to approach and prepare. Uh, for any any situation that I'm put in, so uh, that's my main goal. I just try to prepare and uh, you know just be ready for whatever comes my way and just try my best at it. Bears fourth round pick Riley Ridley joining the program here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, uh, the impact of your brother can't be understated. You know, Calvin, you looked at him as a mentor, and and I'm sure yeah. he he did the same as well. You guys are not that far apart in age. What's okay. the lasting impression? Uh, that he made on you as as a football player and how he's helped you. Uh, you know, just the just the change of being a pro. Uh, you know, in in college he did really well and you know he was a pro then, and uh, but now it's just a big 180. Uh, you can tell he's about his business. He takes things really seriously, and uh, he wants things done right. So when I seen that, and, uh, knowing that I want that type of lifestyle, uh, it was a no brainer for me. Uh, I really look up to him for those for those reasons. I know that he's a smart guy, and uh, you know I just want to follow in those those footsteps. Hey Raleigh, when you come to a new team and you're trying to develop a relationship with the quarterbacks um, that you get to play with here with the Bears, is what is going to decide your fate quicker? Is it, is it the route running or understanding coverages at this level? Uh, with no doubt, I think it's both. But uh, for the main part, I'll say. It's just being consistent, being able to do it on the in-and-out day basis, uh, no matter the weather, no matter what's going on, the circumstances. It's just being consistent, uh, let alone coming with the route running and, you know, catching the ball. But I feel that being consistent is more important to the quarterback, knowing that you know your assignment, you'll be in the right place, you'll catch the ball. It's, it's, it's more eye-opening to a quarterback to be consistent. Well, as you got five weeks before training camp, what do you think you – direct your most attention to is is it the playbook is it conditioning is it strength training what what do you think is your biggest focus as training camps just around the corner well you know training camp isn't easy uh so you want to go in with a full mind you want to be able to attack everything but not at once you want to be able to attack a thing at a time one thing one thing at a time each day get better so for the first probably couple of days uh you know i'll just work on my playbook and you know, as I get my feet wet and get things going, then I'll start working on my route running. You know, and throughout all this, I'm just I just want to be consistent and you know just have my number called and be able to perform. Riley Ridley, our guest here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. How have you taken to the Bears playbook? What is it fit your skill set? Excuse me. How have you taken to Matt Nagy's playbook? Does it fit your skill set? Uh, I believe so. Uh, Coach Nagy is a guru when it comes down to play calling and different types of, you know, routes and that goes with plays and he knows what routes can get open with different coverages. So, you know, when you have a coach like that that can give you a man's own tail and, and just the formation that is more, you know, it opens a lot for you. No matter who you are, no matter your asset or whatever your skill is, you're, you will be able to perform. Hey, Riley, at the, <clears throat> excuse me, at the end of OTAs, when I watched you out in the field, 
I didn't see a fourth rounder. I saw a guy that was you should have been drafted a lot higher. When you did get drafted, did you go? Were you a little bit disappointed, going, "Hey, I know I'm better than this," and now it'd be kind of fun that you have a lot of people in front of you to prove that you are right, and maybe they missed a good opportunity. Uh, well, I wasn't. I wasn't dis- disappointed. Uh, I was a little upset, yeah, but uh, but not disappointed because you know this this is an opportunity of a lifetime, and uh, I get the experience here, you know. So it's, it's and the thing about football is. You know, as a player, you get to decide your fate. You get to decide your work ethic. You get to decide the things that you can't control. You know, and one of the things I said when I got drafted was I control the, whatever I want. You know what I mean? I'd be able to go in and work my tail off, and maybe one day I have a starting spot for the Chicago Bears. But as long as I put good tape on, then I, I should be all right. You know what I mean? And that's that's my mindset, and that's the things that I'm going to stick to. Well, from from your standpoint here – you know, I look at that roster, just the receiving core unit alone, and just how talented mm-hmm. it is. I mean, legitimately, there's eight guys there that can play. And the, no the, doubt. And the coach is pretty intense as well when you look at Coach Fury. And maybe just talk about that room overall, how you guys are helping each other out, but yet it's still competitive, but yet you guys are leaning on each other to, to help each other to get better. Uh, but Yeah, I say that. I say uh, because, because of that is because, you know, guys lean on each other just to learn something. I mean, you can watch guys go all day. You watch the good things that you can do, and you can correct yourself off those their wrongs. So, you know, you want to be able to, like, support others. But at the end of the day, we all know that, you know, it's a business, and, you know, the best man wins. And, uh, you know, and that's how I feel about what Coach Ferry is preaching in the room. You know, the best guy will play. And, you know, we all just got to go out and have fun, you know what I mean? And, and at the end of the day, with the Bears organization, that's what many other guys like to do. They like to have fun while working, so it makes things easy. Bears fourth-round wide receiver, Riley really joined the program, getting ready for training camp, his first NFL version of it. He's heard all the stories and witnessed it firsthand with his brother Calvin and the Atlanta Falcons. You know, one thing playing at Georgia – and as players get to the NFL, there are a lot of skill position players. It depends on what right. day, you know, who's going to get the number called, and that very much is the way the Bears and Matt Nagy look at their offense. But, boy, if you were to take your numbers at Georgia and flex them out and look at how many touchdowns per catch or how many catches, you know, and how many yards, right. uh, you really made the most of your opportunities. Was that internal pressure you put on yourself that you knew you weren't going to get as many targets but you had it when you did get the chance. You had to go big. Oh uh, well, you know, as everybody knows, obviously Georgia's a, a running school. But uh, you know, when you when you run the ball well, it frees up passing. And uh, you know, when you do get those opportunities, no matter if it's ten opportunities, if it's three, if it's two, you just want to take the most out of it. You know, you put good things on film, and that's just the main key. And no matter what level you're on, you want to put good film out there. You know, you just want to be able to be able to contribute for your team. Hey, Riley, what impressions did you take away from the weekend? You had a chance to look at players from the 50s up until the teammates that you're going to have this year. What was right. the, what was that like to look at the initial fan support? That's going to be as it's going to be a college atmosphere around here because the fans do an unbelievable job of supporting you at training camp, on the road, and at the home stadium. Right. Um, well, for me, you know, it's, I, I, I don't really get too far into, you know, when I'm playing, I don't get too much into the crowd or anything like that, but the fans here are awesome. Um, 
I mean, I'm, I go anywhere and they see me, you know, they introduce themselves. They like, you know, take pictures or whatever the case may be, but they're really true diehards. And, uh, you know, they breed this stuff down here, football. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's in the city. You can feel it when you're going around. You know, you just want to be a part of that. You want to be able to go out and contribute, you know, and just get the, the city on your back and have a lot of fun. Well, it's going, what, it's going to be a lot of fun being a Bear. Riley Ridley, we'll look forward no to you doubt. coming back at training camp in Bourbon A here in five short weeks. Enjoy, uh, enjoy your time. Riley Ridley, our guest here on Bears All Access. Coming up next, Jim Covert will join the program. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. The Chicago Bears Network presents Inside the Bears, brought to you by Verizon. Anthony Adams and Lawrence Creedon cover the world of Bears football on and off the field every Sunday night at 10.35 p.m. on Fox 32 Chicago or watch anytime at chicagobears.com or on the Bears official app. Welcome back to Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score brought to you by IGS Energy, Jeff, Tom, and Jim, and joined by Jimbo Covert, kind enough to join us tonight, Jimbo Good to see you over the 100 weekend and seeing you out of practice up at Hallis Hall. Uh, thanks for coming on and joining. How did you enjoy the whole festivities? Hey guys, yeah. Um, good evening. It was a, it was a great time. I uh, I thought uh, you know getting a chance to see all the guys again and um, you know I thought the Bears did a great job on putting the whole thing together and flying everybody in. So um, got a chance to play golf as well and. Uh, just uh, it was just a great weekend all around. So it was, again, I was just I was really looking forward to spending time with the guys. That's that's really what I went for. Jimbo, uh, just a go down memory lane a little bit because I it's always talked about the eighty three dra- the eighty three draft. You know, you define the success of that draft because as many guys as they get drafted in the first round, you are a pick that could not fail. There wasn't a guy behind you that was going to play as well as you. And then to go out there and kind of help continue the development of that offensive line. Did you feel that pressure when Dicko and the, these guys went and made that pick? Or did you know day one that you were going in there to take that job and keep it for quite a while? Well, Tom, they, when I came in, <clears throat> the day I got drafted, excuse me, Mike went and see uh, Mike and he said, the job's yours. So, you know, um, I, I think there's a certain amount of pressure in just fulfilling those expectations, you know, and um, I, uh, you know, it wasn't like I had to go into camp and beat somebody out. I mean, the job was mine. So, you know, I had high, they had high expectations of me as I did myself, but, you know, I had to fulfill those as well. And, you know, we had a, a great court, young quarterback and Jim McMahon and obviously Walter Payton and a lot of pieces there. You know, Hilgi was there, but he was backing up Danny Neal and Horn was there and back. And <clears throat> so we had a, a, a bunch of guys there that were ready to play, excuse me, but we didn't, you know, just didn't gel as a unit. And I think 83 was a unit that, every, you know, we all were kind of jumbling around different guys. I was the only guy that started all 16 games in 83 just because of a lot of different you know, issues with injuries and guys shuffling in and out, trying to find the right combination of guys that could win for you. So, um, but I just think the 83 draft, you were part of that as well. You didn't join us for a couple (laughs) years later, but um, I think that draft really was the draft that, you know, made us Super Bowl champs and kind of carried us throughout the 80s because, you know, we had so many great players that made the team and and then you came on board a couple years later. And I just think it just helped us, 
you know, kind of win a lot of games in the eighties. And I think people, you know, need, uh, that, that draft really stands for, for something that, you know, has really catapulted the bears to Super Bowl success. Well, Jimbo, Jim Miller here. Good to talk to you. And people don't realize Freedom PA. My wife's from Beaver County. There's a lot of good players from Beaver County and, and that whole area. And just growing up, how you ended up as a as a Pitt Panther. Because, you know, I do think that as something, you know, it, it, it's molded you. There's been a lot of great players to come out of that area of Western PA that have become very prominent football players in the National Football League. Maybe just talk about your past a little bit. Sure, yeah. Thanks, Jim. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I was... I was really lucky. I, I had great high school coaching and, you know, I grew up in a kind of a steel mill area and, you know, right across the river from Aliquippa. Of course, that's where Mike Dick is from and Tony Dorsett. And, you know, you got uh, Mike Lucci from Ambridge and Joe Namath from Beaver Falls and, you know, uh, Darrell Rivas from Aliquippa and Sean Gilbert. So, um, you got just got a lot of guys that, uh, you know, kind of it's a rich tradition in Western Pennsylvania football. And, you know, you kind of know, see the stuff like, you know, um, the Tom Cruise movie when he was, you know, back in you know Pennsylvania, all the right moves. I mean, that's kind of where you grew up and um, football was just part of your life, you know. So, I mean, I was lucky enough to have great coaching and, and I played for a small high school double um, A high school. I think there was only 500 kids in my entire school. So, you know, to get noticed there with the big, you know, quad A schools was kind of difficult. But, um, you know, we had a good senior year, went undefeated. And uh, I think that had a lot to do with me getting to, you know, the, not- the notice that I had. And, uh, you know, for me, it was easy. I mean, my, my dad, I got drafted. I mean, I got, I, got, I got recruited by a lot of schools, but my dad said, you know, you got three choices, Pitt, Penn State, or Notre Dame. I know Tom likes to hear that, but um, that's the only place he would uh, – the only three places he allowed me to kind of think about. I didn't visit Notre Dame, but I did Pitt, and I canceled my Penn State visit after I went to Pitt and just felt that was the right place for me, so I ended up there. Jimbo Covert, our guest on Bears All Access, number 13, in the Bears' top 100. Does that resonate with you? 13th all-time in the 100-year history of Bears football? Uh, you know, Jeff, I, I don't – I mean, it's it's kind of hard to to comprehend sometimes when you think about it. Just uh, I mean, I, I think that, you know, Dan Pompey and, and Don Pearson did a remarkable job to pick 100 guys out of 100 years of, of, of professional football in Chicago. I mean, just think about the thousands and thousands of guys that, you know, pass through here. To pick 100 guys – I don't, that's a difficult job in itself. And then to start ranking them, um, you know, in different positions, I think is extremely difficult on top of that. And then when you get down to the top 25 and then the top 10, <laughs> I think it, it makes it even a lot more difficult, you know? So there's an argument, I guess, on every one of those guys from 25 in, right. That you want, if you, yeah. if you wanted to have it, you could. So, uh, you know, higher, lower, whatever, I don't know, but uh, I was just thrilled to be part of it. And, yeah, you're right. It's hard to comprehend that type of, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, to to be ranked that high. But I'm certainly appreciative of it. Hey, Jimbo, people always want to know, hey, who's the toughest guy you ever played against? But how long did it take you to recognize Richard Dent had talent that if he started to cultivate his ability that this guy could be something special? Oh, I mean, from day one in training camp, Tom, I mean, he was light then, I think. You know, I I think when we were rookies, he was probably about 
I don't know, 230 pounds or something like that, maybe. Uh, but he could fly. He had an incredible first step, you know. And um, <clears throat> but when he came in, you know, he's a typical college, you know, defensive lineman that, you know, had tried one move. And, you know, if he didn't get that move on you, that was pretty much done. I mean, you could shut that off. But then when, you know, when you look at a guy like Dan Hampton, who, you know, does an underarm, then a club, then a spin. I mean, you know, he'll do three pass rush moves in the same pass rush. I mean, if he doesn't get what he wants. And so that's what pro pro guys do. And so when Richard learned off of guys like that and Jim Osborne and Mike Hardenstein and, you know, a lot of older guys and he learned how to rush the passer, I mean, he became downright dangerous pretty quickly. I mean, you could see the, the you know, how much better he got you know, just from the time training camp to the end of the year, you know, and then 84, boom, I mean, he hit the ground running. So, I mean, he's a remarkable guy and learned how to play the run a lot better as well because you really didn't have to do that at Tennessee State, you know. I mean, he was just rushing the passer. So, um, I mean, he is, you know, one of the greatest defensive ends that ever played, and I played against a lot of them, and he is. So, I mean, I've you know, it's hard to rank a guy that that good when you play against him all the time, you know, because it's not in game conditions. Um, but, I mean, he's one of the best guys I ever played against, or not, if not the best guy I ever played against. Well, Jimbo, there was energy about those mid-'80s teams, the 85 Bears, and there's still a lot of energy about the, the great teams you've played on. But, there, I, you know, I think there's some similarities. I'm sure you witnessed it coming in town, going to practice. There's a lot of energy about this year's team. And what uh, you know, how they can piggyback off the success of last year. Maybe, could, what did you glean when you when you kind of see the inner workings of this team and what Matt Nagy is is trying to accomplish and the organization overall? Well, I think the expectation is they're you know they're going to win and they're going to go to the Super Bowl and you know anything short of that's going to be a disappointment. I think that's the I think that's the attitude they should have. You know, Tom will recall when he came in. It was his first year with the Bears, but. You know, we were through 83, 84. We got embarrassed out in San Francisco and on the plane on the way back home. We all kind of sat there and said, hey, I mean, this is never going to happen to us again. I mean, we got downright embarrassed. So, you know, it wasn't, we weren't never going to be in that position again. So, you know, it just started right after that. And I think if you remember in the beginning of the season, we had the same type of attitude. I mean, guys got up and said, hey, no more failure. We're going to win the thing. And that's the attitude you have to have. And I'm seeing it now today with those guys. And that's the attitude they need to have. They can't, you know, I mean, it's a long season. I get it. But um, I mean, but you got to put together a string of wins and you got to get out there and get a playoff spot. It's all about controlling your division. And if you can control that, you can control the next level. And I'm seeing it now. And I like the attitude that Matt has and he's bringing to this team. Jimbo Covert, our guest Jimbo King, are on for another segment, will you, buddy? You bet. All right, Jimbo Covert, when we come back, a member of the all-80s NFL team by the Pro Football Hall of Fame board and many other accolades in a great career. This is Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Back in a minute. Join us for the PNC Chicago Bears 5K, Saturday, July 13th, and finish on historic Soldier Field. Register now at chicagobears.com slash 5K before prices increase. Jim Colbert, kind enough to join us for another segment here tonight on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy, along with Mike Chen and Adam Szynski, Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, and Jim Miller. Uh, Jimbo, I know you were very close to Dan Marino, obviously. You guys played together at Pitt, but just uh, going through some old stories uh, that I conjured up today from uh, the internet 
I don't know the story, but it was alluded. There's a pinball machine story about your apartment in Pitt with you and Dan Marino. Care to care to elaborate? Um, well, we were we were had a uh, apartment off campus, Danny and I, and a guy named Paul Dunn, who's offensive line coach in the league, and for a long time. And uh, Paul and I bounced at this bar called Thirsties, and the owner. Um, took a liking to us and, uh, you know, gave us a pinball machine that we had in our, <laughs> our apartment. So um, I was pretty good at pinball because I grew up and had some misspent hours in, their, in the bowling alley down there, the railroad track. So I was pretty good at it and uh, used to beat Danny all the time on it a lot. And so um, we'd have challenge matches. The three of us would get in there and then he accused me of uh, fixing the machine so I could, you know, <laughs> Uh, I, I could, I could, so it didn't tilt, you know, which I did do that a couple of times. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it's been a lot, it was a lot of fun. So we had a, we had a great setup when we were seniors in uh, shady side and, uh, fully stock bar, beer meister, whole nine yards. It was, uh, it was pretty good. That was perfect. Jimbo, I never realized how important that 85 game was to the dolphins until I went down there my last year and played with the Miami dolphins. Does Marino, is, is he still wear that around as a badge of courage or a badge of honor yeah. to you that yeah. that's the one, yeah. that's the thing he did to all of us? Yeah, he did. He did it a couple of times when we were together and, and, uh, you know, on a ring, it says 18 and one. And he <laughs> goes, uh, see that one, that one is mine. You can't take that away. And I said, what would you rather have, bro? The one or the ring? And then he doesn't <laughs> talk about it anymore. <laughs> Well, hey, I mean, he's one of the best pure all-time passes of all time when you look at Marino. And I go back to that fake spike game up in, when he beat the Jets. I mean, there's so many great things. that, And obviously for being a, a friend of yours and, and playing with him all those years, did did you have any idea playing with him at Pitt that he would be considered one of the all-time greats and here now currently already in the Hall of Fame? Oh, sure, Jim. I mean, you can see it. I mean, our senior year, he had a great junior year, you know, freshman, sophomore year as well. And I got a great junior year and then senior year, he had kind of a let down, but you know, it was a lot, it wasn't him. It was a lot of things. It was the guys around him, you know, um, that's a lot of drop balls, you know, it was just, it's just one of those things that happened. And then, you know, he comes out in the postseason and he ends up um, being MVP of the Hula Bowl and the senior bowl. So your MVP of both of those bowl games, and you still get drafted the last quarterback, which is really hard for me to understand. And you know, all the rumors that were out there were unfounded, and and, uh, and were you know really put his stock back. But you know what? He ended up in the best place. Ended up in the best place for him, and uh, you know, playing for a guy like Don Shula, and I think the rest is history. So I mean, that, that, you know, I, it was hard for me to understand how he got there, but uh, it's the best place. Jimbo, one of the first meetings at the Hula Bowl when Jackie Sherrill was addressing the team, he says, man, we got Dan Marino playing quarterback. We're not going to run the ball very much, so just get ready to pass block. (laughs) And that's what we did, and that's why he was MVP. Yeah, we were in a two-point stance most of that game, if I remember, which was a lot of fun, you know. Um, And uh, it was kind of hot, too, if you remember, Tom, so we didn't want to be doing too much run blocking anyway, so. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, well, you guys week. more than made up for it, though, when you got to the Bears because uh, you guys were a dominant run team. Your first four years led the league in rushing. That offensive line uh, was superb, arguably best in NFL history, certainly the best in Bears history. And then, you know, underrated, that continued in, into the late 80s and early 90s, finishing the top three in those years. 
top two in 89 and 93rd and 88. Both of you, how, how, how significantly proud are you are of that accomplishment to lead the league in Russia and be such a dominant running team during this time? Well, uh, from my perspective, you know, I, I just think that, you know, I think we set an all-time record. I think the only ones that tied us were the Bears from like the 40s or something like that. So, you know, it just has never been done before. Other than that, it was a different game then because they threw the ball so or ran the ball so much back then as well. But and then really hasn't been done since. So, when you see all the names of the you know offensive lines like the you know the Hogs and all the teams that get all the you know, uh, the recognition, I mean, we got way better stats and way better records than any of those offensive lines. I think Tom will agree with that. So it always kind of threw me for a loop that our guys didn't get the recognition as an offensive line that we deserved. And I think it really was because just of the perception that, you know, Walter didn't have an offensive line for so long and that he did it all on his own. And then, you know, when we all started to get there and he still was putting up records, you know, way into the, you know, 86, 87 even. So, I mean, you know, that's my perspective, which is unfortunate that that was kind of the perception out there. You know what was neat for you too, Jimbo, is you've been blessed with some of the best offensive line coaches in football history. When you had Joe Moore in college, then you moved on to Coach Dick Stanfell, Hall of Famers. And you told me the other day at practice that Harry Heastan is a disciple of, your, of Joe Moore, which it kind of gives you an understanding why Harry does a good job of developing talent. Just like, you know, Coach Stanfeld, no matter if you were Bortzi, converted defensive lineman, <clears throat> six seven like Van Horn, or the the ability Jay, or else even the built of Kurt Becker, he molded you into an offensive lineman that best suited you. He didn't try to change what your your asset was as a football player. No, Dick was the best, and I think that you know <clears throat> best line coach I ever had. You know, I, I love Dick Stanford, but Joe Moore was you know the best and. You know, learned off of you know Dan Radakovich and all those Steeler great offensive lines, and you know Harry's a disciple of that. And I mean, you could just see it in the way those guys coach. And when I was up at practice on the field, you know Harry uses a lot of the same terminology, so it was a little deja vu, and it was fun watching the guys. And they're really responding to that type of coaching as well. So, you know, when you're seeing those kind of good techniques, because quite frankly, and I know Tom probably see, you know, obviously sees a lot more than I do and watches a lot more. But you see some of the offensive line technique around the uh, around the league, and it's pretty horrid. I mean, it really is. I mean, ever since they went to all this zone blocking and everything, they just get five of the biggest guys and kind of sidestep guys. I mean, you never see anybody stepping up field as much anymore. You know, it's all kind of a running back looking for softness. They don't really do a lot of a point of attack stuff and hit you know hit holes, a lot of trapping plays. I mean, Tom and Sports used to pull, you know, 15 times a game. I mean, if you ever see a guard get out in space, you know, he'd probably fall down and wouldn't be able to make the corner. So it's a totally different game now. That's why it's always fun to go back in time and watch some of those YouTube games. You can see them, many of them, and see what it was like. It was outstanding to watch. Physical brand of football. Jimbo, thank you so much for all the time tonight. Have a great evening and uh, best of luck. You bet, guys. Nice chatting with you. Nice chatting with Jimbo Covert. Outstanding sixth pick in the 83 draft by the Chicago Bears. One segment to go here on Bears All Access with Jeff and Tom. Jim Miller, I'm Jeff Joniak. News Radio, excuse me, 670 the score. Back in our final moments of tonight's program, out of here at the top of the hour, Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, and Jim Miller with you on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Great conversation with Jimbo Covert. 
uh, feels strongly about, you know, a couple of things. And I was going to bring up to him about his injuries that really complicated his his career and, and forced him to stop playing was his back injuries. But how an athlete of that elite level has to deal with the body not responding the way you want. And you guys have certainly had severe injuries in your career as well. So how, how do you manage that and balance that out with the love of the game and what you've put into it and what you get out of it to have that be the reason you can't continue playing? Well, you, you don't think about that when you're going through it. You're just so committed to the game, committed to uh, making your get yourself ready in the off season to be prepared for what the season, you know, the toll it'll take on you. And, you know, since Jim has retired, he's had a knee and an ankle replacement, which was um, I was shocked to hear and shocked to see when he showed me the pictures of it. But um, he looks great. You wouldn't be able to tell if you ever looked at him. And I think that's a lot of what the guy's got to do is when you do go through the trials and the injuries that you face during the season, it's about what you continue to do in the afterlife to make sure you stay active in whatever way you can because that's the thing that's going to help you the most as we get into our late 50s and early 60s and such. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, it's, it's, hey, it's very rare that a player gets to really dictate you know, their own terms. You know, here you got Rob Gronkowski who's retiring so young as a tight end, and he goes out on top as a as a world champion. But think about him. He's had four back surgeries. He's had a torn ACL. He's had numerous elbow surgeries. Um, but here he's able to do that. And that's just, you know, it's few and far between that, that you're able to do that, especially go out, you know, winning a, a, a Super Bowl ring. Uh, but it it says a lot about a player, the injuries that they overcome, and probably Jimbo Covert overcame quite a bit. And, you know, it just, to me, it, it speaks about the player and how much they want to be on the field for their team, their coaches, the organization, all those things for for the love of the game. They'll sacrifice quite a bit in order to, to, to really give it up for their teammates. Hey, Tom, do you remember him uh, going into that WrestleMania 2 back in 86? I was there. Oh, me, you and, were? Okay. Uh, me and Mark Bortz went there. It was the first time I got to see um, Andre the Giant in person and <clears throat> a lot of the other guys that wrestled in that, in that WrestleMania. And, um, you know, Jimbo was a great high school wrestler. I'm sure he could have wrestled his way through college. But, I, you know, I say that uh, the best players that I played with were great wrestlers. But Jimbo, you know, he, he was that size. He, he had that persona, and he was the type of guy that fit into that WrestleMania perfectly, and it was a lot of fun going there and, you know, seeing the hype of, of that, those events on that night. Yep, uh, an enforcer when he got there, right? Don't mess with Jimbo. That's pretty much the, <laughs> the message. Jimbo was a bad dude. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. And, you know, I, I got introduced to that in, in college and watched the way that his offensive line that he played with at Pitt, the way they walked to the line of scrimmage almost looked like they were the Steelers. And they had greatness up there with Ron Sams and Bill Fralick and other offensive linemen that played for you know, at, at, Pitt, at Pitt at that time. And Joe Moore was a, was a great offensive line coach. And he developed talent where I think all five of the guys went on to get drafted and have successful NFL careers. All right, fellas, we're out of time. Appreciate another one. Uh, Bears all access in the books. Jim, Big Jim Miller, take it easy there up there in Michigan. And, uh, Tom, we'll see you around. That's going to do it tonight. Thanks to Mike Chen and Adam Tuzinski for helping us out. Shane Reardon is always as well. And our guest, Riley Ridley, the Bears' fourth-round pick at receiver. And Jimbo Covert, a great in Chicago Bears history. That'll do it for you tonight on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Good night.